Welcome to the New Wave Entrepreneur, where we dive headfirst into Web 3.0, personal sovereignty, spirituality, and psychology. These conversations are unfiltered access to brilliant minds and actionable advice that will prepare you for the rapidly changing world. So, jump in. The water is warm and the tide is rising. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to The New Wave Entrepreneur. I'm so excited to have you. Today's episode, I really think you're going to enjoy, specifically because there are quite a good number of uh, entrepreneurs, obviously, this is The New Wave Entrepreneur, uh, and professionals who listen to this show, people who are uh, equally uh, hyped and excited and uh, and dedicated to doing well in their personal and professional lives and who want to move themselves forward, specifically with uh, aspirations towards business, towards uh, towards spirituality, towards physical fitness. And so we all kind of have that mentality going into this. And many of us, because of our, our um, excitement over new wave financial tools, are into crypto. And if you're into crypto, you have to know that this is something that is uh, going to be regulated by the U.S. government. It's already regulated in some ways, and it will be uh, continue to uh, to receive legislation and update legislation and regulation as time progresses. This means that you will have to pay taxes on your crypto, and it's not a free ride here. Uh, my guest today, Lorenzo Apatiello, uh is uh, is a crypto expert from the tax perspective. He's a certified public accountant. He's a uh, certified wealth uh, wealth strategist, uh, financial planner. And I think you're going to really appreciate his perspective on how to uh, responsibly and uh, legally pay as little as possible on your crypto taxes this coming year. And that's important because it is January if you're listening to this uh, in the current. And if you love what we're putting down today, you're going to really appreciate this new workshop that we're launching later in January, last week of January, January 27th, 2022, that's in a few weeks here, we are hosting the Money Moves Workshop. This is a live one-day workshop from 10 a.m. Pacific to 4 p.m. Pacific, okay? And we are going to go over all the important things that entrepreneurs and professionals need to know to get a handle on their money, to understand their cash flow, understand their finances, understand the day-to-day needs for their, their financial goals, to hit their goals, and also how to invest and how to grow it over the coming years. So that's what we're hosting in January. Tickets are $97. Now, last time we did a workshop, which was last month at the New Wave Workshop, we sold out for the live tickets. This time, I anticipate we'll do the same. Pre-sale for these tickets goes on sale January 10th, which is one week from now. And if you want to get early bird notifications so you can get on that pre-sale list, you have to be on the uh, New Wave Entrepreneur Substack blog subscription role. So make sure you go there. You can sign up. You can be a uh, a free subscriber on that blog, or you can subscribe to be premium. There's a whole bunch of perks included in that as well. I know you guys are rocking with me, so you can check that out. But that's at least a great way to get updates when we drop this new stuff. So stay tuned to that. Get ready for today's episode, and I'll talk to you in the middle.
friends, family, the hundreds of thousands of listeners that for some reason spending their time with this show. You're absolutely insane, but you're in the right place with people who are in the same position as you. We are surfing the new wave. What does that mean? It means we're talking about the changes that are happening in the world. And we're not just getting crushed by this tidal wave that's coming. We're learning to adapt. We're learning to surf. Part of that means understanding that as we learn about the technology that's coming out, as we dive into this fascinating world of cryptocurrency, among the other things that we talk about on this show, we have to understand uh, both the risk and the reward of this system. If you've seen me in my Instagram lives, no, 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 not the ones where I'm strip teasing, but the ones where I'm actually giving real information, uh, we're talking about the difference between risk and volatility. And obviously, there's risk associated with all investments. So I'll start off this podcast by saying this is not financial advice. But at the same time, when we're talking about the risk and the, the, the volatility of these markets, it's really helpful to uh to really to get a clear picture on how we can extract the most from all this risk that we're putting into the industry we're all interested in investing in uh into a new platform that is wildly changing. There aren't a lot of clear rules around the regulation in this industry. The government is uh is perilously behind when it comes to uh giving us instructions as citizens. I mean, shit, if you just look at the tax system in general, the whole idea is that you're supposed to self-report, then they tell you if you're correct, which usually they say you're incorrect, and then you usually have to pay more. Or they sometimes come back a year later and say, that thing that you filed last year, we think there's you didn't we think you owe more. You know, at least that's my personal experience. And in a world where there's already so much uncertainty with the tax code, now, with this entirely new class, which there is even a debate going on as to whether cryptos are assets or whether they're commodities, you know, we have all this, um, we have all this talk around regulations that are being imposed. Now we're in the Biden era. What is it? Uh, let's go, Brandon. You know, this is like a thing that's been, <laughs> been popularized. Let's go. Which, by the way, it's like, Everyone was so, everyone was so happy to absolutely trash Trump. And I'm in no way a Trump fan or a supporter, but everyone was so happy to trash Trump. But one person says, let's go Biden and CNN goes crazy as if this is the ultimate slander. That's a whole different conversation to have. But yeah. dealing with this new, <laughs> dealing with this new, uh, this, this new economy with the leaders that are trying to decide how we're going to address this new industry of cryptocurrency leaves us to become the educators of our, of ourselves. We have to become our own guru. We have to become experts. No one's going to, uh, hold our hands through this. And so part of that education is understanding how we're going to deal with taxes. Um, recently in my inbox via DM, my friend Lorenzo hit me back up. The first time that we met was at, um, it was at the take ownership mastermind, which was yeah. at in, it was in December 2017 at the Red Bull Arena in New Jersey. And that was with our friend, Gerard. And since of, then, the whole world has blown up. <laughs> say the least, right? The least. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's been Lorenzo, a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Like since that time, you you you've transitioned from just being a regular quote regular um, you know CPA, investment advisor, financial advisor to I don't even know if you're actually a CPA, but investment advisor, financial advisor. I don't know. What, there's lots of letters you can have after your name. CPA. More of a mouthful. Yeah, but a CPA. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely you know? CPA first and foremost. And it's taking a role in this crypto space. And just like you said, you hear it all the time. 
I'm not a financial advisor. Don't take this advice. This is entertainment. This is knowledge. This is school. You hear it all over YouTube, but I'm here to say you have a financial advisor on, on, on the, on the channel today. So this is something that I feel like people should take this advice seriously and decide, you know, how far do you want, should I go through with this advice and who should I talk to to double check if this is right for me? Yes. As we say with all, all these things, Use everything on the show as a jumping off point for you to do your own research. This isn't the final word because everyone's situation is different. You know, we put a lot of precaution around making that very clear, especially when we're doing financial podcasts. Um, Lorenzo Abatiello, yes. Yes. Um, and besides, uh, besides having almost as good of a name as Di Piazza, uh, you're quite knowledgeable in this space. And I would say, that from from accounting being the most boring of all professions to the most exciting now that cryptocurrency is uh, is top of mind of everyone else. I just want to start off by asking you a basic softball question. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that cryptocurrency is here to stay? Well, absolutely. It's definitely Why? here to stay. To, to, to what degree? I think we'll find out. But I think we're past that point of it just disappearing. We're way past that point. I, I, the way even the world is going, we're going more towards a one world currency and it has to go in this sort of direction. And if you really think about it, when was the last time your job gave you an, an envelope full of cash? <laughs> oh, you're asking the wrong person. Well, I mean, uh, to, to, a, you know, to a regular corporate, corporate worker, when was the last time you got cash? It, it literally, all it is is just you see the end of the week, you see, the numbers going up digitally in your account. Yeah. So if you really think about money being just transferred digitally, it's really not that far off. No, no. I, I think um, we've been digital for quite a while now. I mean, we've been going away from cash. I think they stop. At, at, I think they're saying that they're going to stop making some of the coins because it costs mm-hmm. more to make them than to than, than they're worth, which is probably true of the actual paper dollar at this point too. I think it's going to make cash more valuable in some ways too. I think you're going to get very big discounts with cash, especially once, you know, once this bubble pops, eventually it will. Eventually we're going to see it. We're going to start to feel the uh, repercussions of the decisions that we've been making and the way that everything's been going on in this world. I feel like we've had band-aids on a lot of, a lot of, you know, the issues that COVID has caused. And eventually we're going to have those wounds are going to be exposed. And at that point in time, when we start to have some rougher times, I feel like cash, as much as it's being devalued and, you know, don't hold who's holding money in their bank accounts anymore. I think physical cash, if you have a lot of that, you'll be able to get deals at a discount going solely with cash. I feel like so if someone comes to you, if you're, if it's tough times and they come to your house with, you know, $500,000 cash, are you going to take it or are you going to go in the mortgage and get a broker for 550? That's, 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 I think it's a fair point. Also considering the fact that, you know, as times get tougher, credit is harder to acquire. So mm-hmm. if you see the cash right in front of you, you're going to say, I mean, even though the cash really isn't pegged to anything, you know, it's not, doesn't actually represent something that's redeemable. There's still an intrinsic value of it mentally because we've grown up seeing stacks. Well, we, we, you know, we weren't here, we're not here to talk about cash, right? We're talking something that's much, much more, much more exciting, as you said, with like with the crypto. And, you know, just to give a little background where I started with crypto, really my first tax return in cryptocurrency was back in 2016. My counterpart, I want to say we've sort of joined forces. Uh, he's a great resource. He's been in crypto since literally since 2012, since like Bitcoin really first came out. 
And so just together, we have a ton of experience in, in the space. I mean, you know, back in 2016, I was just going through, you know, I was doing my taxes. I was looking at what I was trading. I was buying Bitcoin for 1100 bucks. I was moving multiple Bitcoins for, for a few thousand dollars. And um, we hate back, you for that, by the way. Yeah, right. It's nuts. Back then, what ended up happening is one of my buddies came to me and had a substantial amount of money, about, about money in the industry, about like 600 grand all offshore at the time. And, you know, it just, he quickly saw it. The industry wasn't what it really once was in back in 2012 when he got started. And he's wanted to legitimize everything and report everything the way it should be reported. And he had no one to go to. No one. Making phone calls to all these high-end accountants, CPAs, no one knew anything. So, you know, us being close friends, look, Lorenzo, you already do my taxes. You need to learn about this stuff. Because not only do I have a problem that needs to be solved, but I have 10 other friends in the same situation. So I quickly became in this like in this circle of crypto people that needed very strategic tax planning to not get crushed in tax. And that opened up this door to get into this tax strategy realm and not even knowing over the years, I've gotten this experience in tax strategy that is, it's like, it's all coming full circle now. It's like the perfect storm. Because now there's so many people who have very serious tax problems that need a solution or else they're going to get banged over the head. Yeah, I mean, I guess let's first buy... Let's first start by dispelling the myth that cryptocurrency is just for criminals, which I know sounds funny because we're so deep in the circle now that we don't see it like that. But there are a lot of people who think Bitcoin is just for – the last time I checked in with Bitcoin was Silk Road. Mm-hmm. So people will think one, it's just for criminals or two, it's it's not taxable. Let's talk about those two ideas. Well, crypto is taxable in several different ways, right? He taxes income. You get taxed when you swap. A lot of people don't know that. So all these, you know, when she, you know, Shiba was a hot coin recently, right? So when you have to go and Uniswap and swap your Ethereum for Shiba, that swap is a taxable transaction. So if you bought Ethereum at two grand and then it's at four grand and then you swapped, you're going to pay taxes on that swap. So you might even incur a loss. If you bought Ethereum at the top and then it came down and then you swap, then you get a loss. But most of the times, people have been holding on to this crypto for a while. And generally, you see a lot of gains in this situation. And people incur gains and they don't even know it. They don't even know it. Then you obviously have this whole staking liquidity pools. That's treated as income. That's like a dividend. That's earned income. All these miners out there, that's earned income. When they get, let's say they get one Ethereum for mining. Let's just use whole numbers. That Ethereum at the time where you earned it, that's considered earned income like a business. You file a Schedule C just like you would file in any business. And if you want to make it a company, you can make it a company and you can take a paycheck off your income if you really wanted to. Now, with that also is deductions. People don't realize that. You can deduct all this stuff. You can deduct your accounting, your electrical, your, your, uh, some travel, your Bitcoin conference entrance, like the hotel you stayed at when you were into Miami to go to this conference. You know, there's so much that opens up to, you know, to save money. In this industry, so many well, ways. I understand how, uh, especially with Coinbase, which is a publicly traded company, and mm-hmm. where they're absolutely going to give you some tax documents at the end of the year. I can understand how that is traceable and trackable. But on all these exchanges and stuff, I mean, how one, how can we even keep track of all this stuff? Because I mean, I do tons of swaps, and I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I um, my tracking is not where it needs to be. I'm doing all these swaps, yeah. you know, and 
I'm doing them in wallets that are way decentralized. How mm-hmm. how how is the government keeping track of that? How can they? Is it all self-reported? Yeah, a lot of it's going. A lot of it is right now, and I think that's going to change quickly. It already has progressed a ton in a year. When I started doing this in 2016, I looked at this tax programs where you import all your data. That's really where you, where you got to start. So when I work with a client, step one, I don't care if they got a thousand dollars in crypto or a hundred million dollars in crypto. Step one's always the same. And that's get all that data into the tax software. So let's say, for example, Dan, you say you got all these swaps all over the place, right? You had, you yeah. see, so you didn't do a good job of, of, of documenting all this stuff. A lot of people have it. I, even me myself, haven't documented all my trades. So you use the power of technology. This is where it can help you. So you have like, for example, let's say if you're Coinbase, you have KuCoin, you have MetaMask. If you did some offshore gambling, like with crypto, right? You see like these guys on YouTube making half a million dollars of Bitcoin gambling. So all that's, all that data basically is, is just on the blockchain, right? It's all there. You got to input that data into one place. You grab it all and now aggregate it all into a tax software. And that spits out basically capital gains. How much money you made this year? Which one you lost this year? How much did you earn in income? And a lot of times what I'm seeing, when you have the Coinbase, the Binance US, the Gemini, Crypto.com, it's generally pretty straightforward. Yeah, those are easy ones. You put it in and it reads it really easily. But once you start adding the MetaMask, you start going on Avalanche Network and now you just bought Wonderland and you're staking Wonderland. Or I just went and bought 10 strong and purchased a node today. Like all that... When all those sub apps become very difficult to track. Well, with, with staking in particular, aren't those unrealized gains though? You're not actually using that money. You're not, you're not withdrawing that money. Staking is considered income. It's considered income. But now, yes, it is unrealized. So let's just put this, I'll give you an example. Make this easy. You get a dollar a day staking. Sure. That's $365. You get $365 in income. You have to report. However, that dollar, let's say that grows to $3. You will then have to pay taxes two times on the capital gains of the growth. Not only the income, but then that dollar returns to three and you sell it, you incur capital gains. So you will pay taxes two times on that money. Can you say that again? So you're going to pay taxes two times on that money. Every day that you collect, it's like someone purchased a product from you. When you sell a course, think about that staking is you're earning that income, a dividend. It's paying you out every day. When you get a dividend from your Apple stock, you, that's treated as income. When you look at your 1099, it says dividend income. So you got to look at a staking income. Now, you didn't sell anything, right? You just right. kept staking it. You let it sit in your account. Let's say I staked it for two years. I can't even sell anything for two years. Correct. Okay? So I've collected now 365 times two income. I report that each year for two years. Now I'm sitting on you know, 730 of these coins that I got right? For after two years. Those coins grow and now i sell them after two years the growth that those coins got i will pay tax on the gain so you're paying you're paying on the stake and on the gain mm-hmm. two times mm-hmm. i mean okay look look the i guess the the my question is it's pretty obvious how this will how this will play out with these centralized exchanges but yeah how how can the government audit this stuff how can they realistically audit it if it's not on these major platforms i just how they, they don't have the capability to do that. How will you they know? know? I, I think a great way to to really show this would be it, it would be nice if I actually show an example. But you know, then maybe we could do that on another day uh, where I actually show like 
how these calculations work and like really dig deep into the specifics that people are interested in that and actually go and do an example of a tax calculation because you'll see this and then you'll see why. So I have a friend at the IRS. So I kind of got a little insight on how this stuff is going to be looked at. Now, they're using the same technologies we have. And it actually is not that hard to find out if you're not reporting something. So think about it like this. You have Coinbase. Yeah. You buy Ethereum, you send it to MetaMask. MetaMask is, in, is a decentralized exchange. You use an email to open it up. It has no idea who that string of numbers and letters, what wallet that's associated to. So, however, now you've got communication. And when you put all this data into the software, it sees money going out. Now, it shows outgoing. This is all data. Everything in the blockchain is recorded. So don't, don't get it twisted. It may not be, it may be decentralized, but that data is still there. So now there's two ways they're going to find it. One, if they see an outgoing or an incoming or a sale above a certain threshold, that's very easy to filter. Just like you can filter in Excel, you filter the blockchain data and you say, okay, I want to filter out any transaction over $10,000. So if they see outgoing transactions that are not connected, and you'll see it when you put it into the software, it kicks you back. It says probable missing sources. We have detected a sale without a buy or a buy without a sell or like money that's sent out. Confirm it. Where is this going? So it's very easy to, to extrapolate that data, filter it and say, okay, I want to see send outs for more than 10,000 bucks. Boom. List. Let's order the top 1%. Done. So those big numbers, those people who are sending millions of dollars, we're going to look at them right away. It might be, they might be fine and dandy, but that's a lot of money. We want to get a piece of that money. So we're going to order them right away. Then it'll say 20% of the next, we're going to order those two. Anything below that. A lot of it will be random. Yeah. So it's like, well, I mean, I guess it makes sense. If you, if you're on Coinbase and they have access to that data, um, then if you're sending your stuff to a wallet that's off chain or, or that, that's, that's, uh, that's outside of, you know, Coinbase, MetaMask, or some other types of wallet, they're going to see the MetaMask address because it's listed on Coinbase because you're sending it from Coinbase to MetaMask. So right there, they're going to be able to associate your yeah. name with that address. And now you see 50 transactions going to one wallet. Right. And now now you have, you sold something and you sent it back to Coinbase and now you've got an incoming. So now you have a purchase without a potential buy or a sale without a buy. Right. Because now you went, you sent the Ethereum You've swapped it for Shiba. You've sent it back to Coinbase. You've sold it on Coinbase. And now you have a sale without that initial buy. Right. And that is so easy to filter. So if they'll say, I want to see, I want to filter any sale without a buy that's above 10,000 bucks. Audit every single one. You'll get a letter in the mail. Guys, and the crypto bros are crying. <laughs> and what ends up happening is because uh, I've been through an audit right now so far with, with crypto. And it's, they want to see every, first you get bank statements and credit cards. It's just personal stuff. They want, if they want that, that's what they'll ask for. If you have any schedule C, they'll ask for your business bank statement and credit card. Then they'll ask for every account that you have, like every wallet that you have. They'll ask you for all those addresses to read the blockchain. They're going to put I that mean, into that's... the same software we use and they're going to come up with a calculation. So there, so I mean, essentially there's no, there's no difference in the way that the IRS is auditing crypto versus how they're auditing regular business transactions well i mean yeah there is a little bit of a difference but the approach is, is similar they well yeah to... they're, i mean obviously there's a bit of a, it's a totally different industry but they're not it, it's 
again, I think people have this assumption that because it's decentralized, it's invisible. And there's also this idea that because especially before uh, crypto was as as well adopted as it is now in the, in the dark web days when you had to get on a Tor browser to use this stuff, it was much more obscure. But now, especially that it's in public consciousness, it's not really too hard to see where this stuff is. Maybe before, maybe pre-Coinbase, you were safe, you know, but pre-Coinbase, it was pretty hard to actually turn that into dollars, you know, so. Well, you got to look at where's the regulation going? Where are they going after? And you're going to hear about this soon. They've been quiet. The United States has been quiet. They haven't said a word, right? You've heard nothing. Actually, recently, you just saw last week, they, they kind of like started making statements. It's been a long time. And they have not said a thing. So in my eyes, what I'm thinking is happening from what I'm hearing as well, you know, this XRP case is not just a case with XRP. They're, they're putting down the standards, the gap principles for companies that want to start using crypto. Because you got to think public companies have started to buy this stuff already. And yes. they need to report Large every quarter. Ones. They need to report every quarter. What are the rules for that bookkeeping? The government needs to come out with that. There needs to be gap generally accepted accounting principles for crypto. And they're stalling to get this stuff done so now they can come and say, this is how it needs to be reported. It's tax season soon. It's going to happen soon. It has to. It ha how, are they, how are they not going to say anything for the coming tax year? Can, uh, can, can you just briefly go over, you said XRP, I know that's Ripple. Um, can, for people who are just tuning in, can you explain what's going on with that case? There's a, there, there's a dispute that's being solved right now. Okay, so you want me to go down this rabbit hole? <laughs> yeah. All right. People want to know. So, okay, so XRP, they want to, their SEC is in litigation with XRP, calling it a security. And they're coming back, it's not a security. But in my eyes, this case is so much more than just that. This case is you're going to be used as a precedent. Now, the SEC is most likely going to lose the case of it actually being a security. However, they're not going to let this opportunity pass it to make a precedent, to not make it seem like they lost. They're going to come in and make regulation and put a note saying, this is how we're going to handle, United States is going to handle cryptocurrency from now going forward. So they may not say, okay, we're going to deem you not a security, which is probably what's going to happen. They've been saying it for months now, which is probably going to happen. But they're going to go in and they're going to start making the rules onto how the United States is going to handle crypto. And that's what yeah, I think is holding this thing up. It's, 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 been, not, it's been a litigation for like, oh, I think over a year now. More. Yeah. More. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big advocate for XRP. I think it's going to be a game changer. But, you know, that's really what's, you got to think of the backstory behind it all. Why, why is it taking so long? What are they going to do? And this is where I'm starting to see how the regulations come. Just being on boots on the ground, I'm starting to kind of see it. You see the story behind the numbers. Yep. You know, they're definitely going after stable coins. They're definitely going after exchanges. Those are the first two things they're going after for sure. Stable coins, think about it like this. If you had to right, you sell, no matter what platform you want, and you're going to go into stable coin, you're going to have to be registered to use that stable coin. How so? Because if you go in and swap your out decentralized crypto, and you want to get out, and you want to be in a stable coin, they're going to want you to be signed up with a KYC to know that that's you. So they can go and track now your buys and sells much easier. That makes sense. It just makes sense. You said stable coins and what else? And exchanges. 
exchanges. Exchanges are no brain. The exchanges is, you know, if I'm going to come in and I'm going to do, I'm going to trade on your platform, they're going to want to know who you are and they're going to want to actually report at the end of the year. So I don't have to do these crazy calculations for people every year. They're going to do the calculations for you. Just like so a 1099 would for TD Ameritrade. When you go and buy stocks on TD or E-Trade, they give you a form at the end of the year and says, hey, Dan, you sold your Tesla, you bought Apple, you you sold at, at a you know at a loss on Tesla and a gain on Apple. You know, you you're you're getting dividends, you got this much in dividends, you got this much in interest. They do that whole calculation for you. So talk so talk to me about what knowing knowing what the government is after, what are gonna be the most important ways to protect ourselves and to maximize our gains going into this entirely new territory? Oh yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna give you a little inside info here. This is I'm gonna you know, people are taking their time to watch your program, you know, listen to the podcast. You know, so I'm going to give the opportunity to give you know, people real, some real value here. This is what people pay me for to come in and have these conversations and, and the strategy, the strategy. You know, there's, there's a few things that I'm doing now with my clients to help save a lot of money. Uh, so let's go by tiers, right? That's generally how I'll, I'll break up, you know, if I have an initial call with a client. I'll put them into like three different tiers. Like, are you in a, in a, in a, are you starting out? Are you, you, you've developed a little bit of money or do you need some like serious tax strategy? You know, so someone who's just starting out, you know, maybe they get dabbling in, they have a Coinbase, you know, they bought a little bit of, of, uh, of Bitcoin or Ethereum and, and now maybe they're starting into other platforms. You know, for someone who's got 10,000 or less in capital gains, uh, what I always suggest for them is you need to have some sort of a way to incorporate deductions into your life. So whether that's starting a side hustle, whether that's opening up a little e-commerce shop, and I actually have come up with a really good solution for people who are strictly in crypto, and that's by buying one of these nodes. By buying a node, it's just you're considered a miner. All it is mm. is an initial investment. Now when you're considered a miner, that's considered income. It's not capital gains. So if you have a business now, once you have a business, you're opening up to yourself to deductions. So yeah. now that 10,000, 20,000 that you may have earned from capital gains, you're now allowed to deduct your CPA, your internet, your cell phone, your subscriptions, yeah. your tickets. Yeah. Now you got 15,000 in expenses. You're deducting it from your, from your income. Then. So you basically negated all of your capital gains and not paid a dollar in taxes legally, completely legal. What else? That's there's, what, that's no what, what else? Right. So now, and that's like for some people that that's that's a big deal, you know. That's a lot. That's a lot of work because it, you know, it, 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 you're incorporating a whole other aspect to your life now, which is opening deduction. Okay, so now now let's talk like you're in that hundred to hundred and fifty thousand dollar range. You know, you've been making money. You, you got like a decent tax. You're gonna owe like twenty grand in taxes. It's like you know, it's a lot of money. There's something called a, obviously you have your wall talking about. Charitable trust. You know, for me, th th this is big on YouTube. I'm gonna put my plugins in. I'm running one battery. Uh, this is big on YouTube right now. You see a lot of these videos. This is one guy. The charitable remainder trust is um is something that a lot of people you see on YouTube. There's this one guy. What's his name? Mark Kohler or something like that. He has like three million views on this video. So that's a good trust to defer some taxes. You may not get all your taxes, but you will defer some taxes. Yeah, charitable remainder trust is going to be a trust that you can deduct some of your gains and take them over a period of time, which is really beneficial 
if you don't need the money right away. And this is a good technique if you don't need to take a couple hundred grand out and go to go put into a rental property. So you're just deferring those basically your taxes over time and then taking a charitable deduction to, to negate those taxes over time. Now, don't get it twisted here. Those, this costs money to set up. You know, they could, they're not super expensive, but you're talking anywhere between, you know, $3,500 to 15 grand, depending on who you do this with to set one of these things up. So the numbers just need to make sense. You know, then on my higher end strategy now, which anyone over, I would say $75,000 in capital gains, if you're above that or more, we have another type of trust that will defer taxes in perpetuity. And that is where I've been seeing a lot of the bread and butter of what we're doing and the way we're helping a lot of clients out is we're deferring these taxes in perpetuity, which is huge. And it's a completely legal structure, which is the crazy part about it is, right, you can legally do this. You're not doing anything wrong. You can even have a legal opinion from an attorney over the whole entire process to prove that it's just a legal structure. The only thing that I will say will of risk here is as laws change, right? Laws are going to change. Regulation is going to change. And we've seen this in the past with trust work. There's the international trust over the years that a lot of people did. And that's where you had a lot of foreign money. You know, that changed over the last few years. So that's why you see a lot of these rules coming in where you have to report all your foreign money. So that that was an adjustment that happened to the law. And the last thing I'm going to say for more of the higher end tax plan is moving to Puerto Rico <laughs> or, or any, you know, outside of the United States. So we've had a lot of experience with Puerto Rico. We've been dealing with it, you know, for the last three years. It was actually right after Founders where we, we met there. That's when we started started moving people to Puerto Rico and getting a, just a portfolio of clients down there. So we're very familiar with the rules on that. But that's a percent tax deferral. It's crazy. Because, because the market is so well, – well, first of all, talk about Puerto Rico really fast because I know people might not be aware of the flat tax there. Yeah. So Puerto Rico is a really interesting place where if you reside there for six months or more, you're eligible for – they just changed the, changed the numbers over the last year. It's Act 60 now. It used to be formerly Act 20. And what you could do with this is it's a tax incentive to bring people to Puerto Rico to spend money. So they want rich people to come into Puerto Rico to spend money to boost their economy. This is not something new. Back in the day, they had manufacturing tax deductions for people who – as manufacturing was leaving the United States, they said, come to Puerto Rico. We want you here. Build your factory here. Employ our residents here. Buy our properties here. So this is not anything new. So what they did now is they have an investor and also a business program. So you can come in and move in a, a, a business or you can come in there as a strict investor. So for businesses, you need to be an export services business, meaning someone who can Work from Puerto Rico provides services out. Yeah. Yep. Which I'm sure in a lot of ways applies to internet business. Oh, yeah. And the internet business, I mean, I mean, CPA, coaching, you know, for your coaching programs, Dan, like if you wanted to be in Puerto Rico and, and coach people, then you can more, you can easily do that and pay zero to 4% in taxes. If I can sell the wife on Florida, just a hundred miles south of that, I can get her one more degree down. <laughs> That's it. That's what you need to do. As simple as that. Well, okay. So, so one thing I was thinking as you're talking is because crypto is so volatile, um, and because the values change so frequently, is there an ad- advantage of timing here? So, if 
if for instance you're filing at a time when you're down or down a lot more and then it goes up later but you've already filed how does that oh, affect yeah. oh. I, I apologize i mentioned this in the techniques as i was given the three brackets but what anyone of those three can do and it's such an important time if you're listening to this right now i and we're we're what this is december 6th that we're filming this mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. if you have the rest of this year now we have less than a month we just had a crazy dip over the weekend now's the time to take advantage of tax loss harvesting if you haven't already where you're having right now you're technically down an unrealized loss lock in that tax loss you could buy it right back you literally can buy the same asset right back if you're down on bitcoin you sell your bitcoin you buy it right back the only thing you got to worry about is fees you will not be able to do that starting 2022 you will not be able to buy the same asset right back it's called a wash sale so if you do that with equities they will disallow that loss but 2022, that's going to come into crypto. You can sell that asset and buy something different. Like So if you buy Bitcoin, you can go then sell it and then buy Ethereum. But you cannot sell your Bitcoin and buy Bitcoin right back in 2022. You can do it for the rest of this year. So anyone who's down right now, and I would really highly suggest tax loss harvesting to take advantage of that right now in the last month. And you can avoid a lot of money. A lot so, of money okay. taxes. Hold on. Let me just put this into perspective. You can sell an asset at a loss to record that loss, buy something else with that money. Going forward to 2022, that's how you're going to have to do it. With equities, that's how you have to do it. With Bitcoin right now, the wash sale rule does not exist in 2021. Well, why it not just sell that? Why not just, like, let's say you, I, I understand it doesn't apply in 2021, but why not just sell, let's say you sell Bitcoin, buy Ethereum, and then sell Ethereum, buy Bitcoin? Potentially, I guess you could do that. It's the same, you just want the same money to, to purchase the asset again. It doesn't really matter, you know, but it's just once removed. I think, I think once you have it in the same exchange, like if you have it, if you're going to do it in the same exchange going forward in 2022, they're probably going to see that. And okay. equities, I mean, TD Ameritrade, they see it. You yeah. can't do that. So I'm going to assume that they're going to have that sort of technology to that you will do that. But if you sent it to to like crypto.com to Coinbase, I don't see how they can communicate. So like if you bought it in if you bought it on crypto.com, you bought let's say you sold your Ethereum on crypto.com, you took that Ethereum, you sent it to Coinbase, and then you bought Coinbase. You bought you bought Ethereum. You you, you basically swapped yeah Ethereum for Bitcoin I, on the other. I, I don't see how they're going to follow that that route. Uh, I mean, I don't see it. Well, I mean, well, the same way they follow it. Right? In the future, they may be able to come up with this technology. This is going to change so much. So what I'm doing with my client stand is I'm having quarterly reviews now going forward. Yeah. Yeah. So because this is going to change so much. What we're talking about now might be might not even be a, you know the same rules in a half a year from now. So any and I just started doing this. We we came my partner. And I came up with this this week that any person that we sign up for for a crypto platform. We'll have a quarterly review with us because there's what, just what so much the, change. What are the best states to incorporate in or to, to license your business in to take advantage of crypto loss? Well, I don't think that's going to matter too much. I mean, to incorporate a business uh, what, or to live, I think, are two totally different things. Sure. Well, my bit, like for instance, my businesses are based in Wyoming for mm-hmm. tax purposes. Mm-hmm. Does that have an effect on crypto taxes? Yes, it does. The short, I guess the short and sweet answer would be yes. You have to be careful with LLCs and where you're residing, uh, depending on the states that you're in. For example, I'm in California. 
and I want to do it in Nevada. LLC, there's no state taxes in Nevada. They're smart. You're not the only person who does this kind of stuff. So if you're if your home I love base, Wyoming. <laughs> if your if your home base is in California and you're sort and you can't prove that your source of revenue is coming any way, shape, or form from Nevada, they have you have your first the, the second that you do that, you're paying uh you're you're paying a, a surtax just on that. Just the fact that you live in California and you have an LLC in Nevada. Then if they find out that you're not sourcing your revenue from there, then obviously there's a there's another issue right there. Right then and there. You know, for example, someone in New York, if I decide I want to put my residence or my business in Florida, but I'm living in New York and I'm sourcing my revenue and it's coming from some of it's coming from New York, hundred percent audit. So they will check you. So that's the only thing Internet you got business sources from everywhere. True. And that's where now you have to start you start getting into what's the story behind the numbers. And that's where someone like myself as a CPA who's talking with the IRS can sign off on that. And when you come in with a CPA saying, this is the story behind the numbers, it comes with a lot more weight. Yeah. I certainly have clients in Wyoming, you know, so. If you have clients from there, then you think, then you don't really have a problem. It's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, how all this fits together. Um, and I mean, I just in general, yeah, like, like locking in those, but so, okay. So to lock in these losses and to realize those, those losses, you would have to then, you'd, you'd have to, because earlier we were talking about unrealized gains. So just from a basic perspective, like if you uh, bought Bitcoin when it was January 2021, it was at $20,000 and now it's at $50,000. Are you paying taxes on those gains? It's a good question. And I use this example a lot. So let's start with this example. Like you said, you buy Bitcoin at 25000 It goes up to fifty. Now, I didn't buy it and I sell it at fifty. Okay. So I bought it at twenty five. I sold it at fifty. I've made twenty five thousand dollars. So I'm like locked in twenty five thousand dollars of capital. That's gain. taxable for Locked. sure. Taxable. We're on the same page. Right. Now Bitcoin falls, goes to forty grand. I'm sitting on the sidelines. Okay. Goes up to forty. I buy one Bitcoin back. Yeah. So I'm, now I'm in again at forty thousand. Right. All of a sudden we hit a correction. Bitcoin's down to twenty now. I've lost fifty percent. But I didn't sell. Hold it. Hodl. Right. End of the year comes, I will pay taxes on $25,000 because I, I sold 25,000. I realized 25,000 gains. I didn't sell anything yet. Bitcoin holds down at 20,000, but I still didn't, I didn't sell anything yet. So let's go back to the example we were talking about before of the tax loss harvesting. We got a month now. So now let's use that same example. Buy 25, sell it at 50. Bitcoin drops. I buy it again at 40. Now Bitcoin drops again to $20,000. Now I decide to sell it at 20. And buy it right back. So I still have one Bitcoin, right? But I locked in that loss, that $20,000 loss. So now that will subtract from my overall gain. So I went from 25,000 by subtracted by 20. And now my overall gain for the year will only be 5,000 versus 25,000. If I did still have one whole, or no, you would have sold that Bitcoin. No, if I bought it back, I still have one Bitcoin. You You bought it back. Yeah. Right. Nothing's changed. Minus a few fees, maybe. But if I sold Bitcoin and down down to twenty thousand, I sell that full Bitcoin that I bought at forty. It's down to twenty. I sell it and I buy it right back with twenty grand. I still got one Bitcoin. Then we visit the downside of it because every, for every upside there's a downside. Now your twenty k goes to a hundred. You now have an eighty thousand dollar gain versus if you would have held at forty, right. you would have had a sixty thousand dollar gain. But, but here's what you sell. What if you don't sell? What if you're just keeping it in the market the whole time? And you don't have, you don't put any gains. You don't incur any gains. But but if you swap, let's say you you know I, I'm going to say, hey, you know 
I was listening to Dan, you know, someone's on the podcast and he talked about this new crypto that I want to buy. And now you sent that Bitcoin to KuCoin to swap with BNB. That's a sale. So you got to watch out. So, so if you, yeah, well, fuck BNB. Um, <laughs> why? BNB's a great coin. The fees are the best in BNB. I don't know why they, like, they, they are, they are, it up. They are, they are a lot better. They, well, the fees are a lot better. Um, but I just, sometimes I don't like using the network, but let's say you're just a, you're just a classic hodler. You're watching it go up and down and you're locked in and you're not selling any of this stuff. In the, in the beginning of the podcast, we talked about how, especially like in a staking situation, because that's income, you know, you're paying money on that. But if you buy a Bitcoin at 20, it goes up to 50, it goes back down to 20, and you're watching it the whole time. These are all unrealized gains. Mm -hmm. Are you paying on that? No. No. You didn't sell anything. It's no taxable event. It used to be a taxable event where you have to pay money. There's no so, taxable I mean, is that, event. And what, and what if during, during that time, you're not selling the entire uh, coin, for instance, but you're just taking profits. You're only going to then pay taxes on the profits that you're taking. Like, let's say you're, you're, you're up but you're taking $5,000 off the top to do whatever, whatever. Yeah. And I always, I always encourage taking profit. Always. Yes. Oh, yes. Especially when it's, you know. Any, any seasoned investor in crypto has learned the hard way. And if oh, yeah. this is your that. first bull run, you learn the hard way. It can't just keep going up and up. I've been saying this, Dan, I've, I've, I've been, I've literally trended this market almost to the dot. This, this year, I've been, on point because I'm listening to these people every day. Every day I'm talking to crypto investors. They all wanted out. Every single person wanted to sell. Not one person that I speak to that said, I'm holding forever. I'm just, I'm, they all wanted to take profits this year. And they're saying 100K Bitcoin, this is going to blow off top. I said, this thing is going to 70, 80 tops. And it's coming right back down because everyone's up and everyone's going to start taking profits. What happened? It went up to 70 and it came right back down. Yeah. Everyone is up too much money. You look at these portfolios. Who's up 266%, 500%, 120%, 80%. Talk to anyone in equities. If you're up 400%, you're not going to sell? You're not going to take some profits? Yeah. And, and, and you think that's one of the primary reasons, especially towards the end of the year, that we've seen this crash because people are taking profits. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think it was going to go as high as people were saying. Was I, I don't been calling it. I, and I'm usually a very optimistic guy, but I have to be, I'm being more pessimistic with my clients. And I've been calling this from since date, since literally six months into this year, where I really was like meeting a lot of people heavy. I'm like, everyone wants to sell. Everyone. Everyone I talk to. And, what I anticipate happening now is December 31st is going to come. China's been already has it as the date where they're going to ban crypto for anyone that's living in China. So if that, if they stay, stay true to that December 31st, they're going to make an announcement that no one's able to trade crypto in China. That's going to boop, come down. They'll have a pop back up. Institutions have not gotten in yet. The institutions have not gotten in. They're just starting to. But I mean, once yeah, they, they have, start, but they just started. Yeah, they, they just started. Once you really start seeing like an adoption, we'll see a blow off top. That will be the big, the big spike that we're, that we're anticipating. Uh, I think that probably is going to happen after though the U.S. comes up with some regulation. You'll see that like right after the U.S. makes what their announcement of where they stand with crypto. I think we're going to have a rough 
January, uh, the end of December into January. And then once January hits and, and that whole like China thing starts to clear up, the United States is going to come in and make a move. Once they do that, then you'll see mass adoption from corporate. I mean, we're, first of all, I, I think you're right. Um, and I think that we've been waiting for that mass corporate adoption for a few years now. And in 2021, it became very clear that they were moving in that direction. And now we're waiting for some of those those bigger first movers to really make make that play. I mean, you know, we've seen Tesla kind of uh, make the play and then retract it. You know, we've seen, um, you know, some bigger institutional investors. But when when bigger banks really start going hard, when Apple decides to put uh, crypto processing on their platform and then buy some, that's all going to have a you know a big effect on it. From from just what you're saying, like if I'm thinking about um, some of these different protocols, like if you have staking, you're obviously making hours, they're making money on a consistent basis. That's all income. From from my perspective, is it a smart strategy to essentially buy, hold, and take small profits along the way as a way of tax, protecting yourself from the tax burden? I feel like it depends on the on your on the type of person you are. Type of goals, I, I'm not going to say that's, that's a, an end all be all for for everyone. You know, I have I have clients that are super aggressive, super aggressive, right? They're like all in kind of guys. Like they didn't grow to be a multi million dollar account by just dollar cost averaging it. Yeah. So that's what worked for them. So I'm going to protect them to the best that I can according to how they want to trade. Is that a bad idea to, to, to take profits on them? Absolutely not. That's not a bad idea. But it all depends on what you're trying to do. Where are you trying to be with the market? You know, I like passive income. I like these protocols that pay you interest. Like, I got a few of them. Cool one. I'll give a little shout out to one that's, that's, I think is, is, is an awesome project, uh, that, that I'm in. I, the staking platform is a, it's a crypto bank, Axia Capital Bank. I'm staking at 192% APY. Uh, I, I'm in Wonderland. I'm in Metaverse Pro. I bought the node. I got, uh, I'm into the, I'm into hex staking for a while. So I'm curious to see what happens with the polls chain on that. So you're talking five things right now that I'm staking on. I did the whole pancakes, uh, staking cake. I'm not doing that anymore. What else am I in? That's, that's a staking call. I think that's about it. But what's happening is these banks can't compete with that. So uh, my only fear, and I don't, who knows this? I think the banks are, are, are going to buy themselves time. I think that's why you're going to see like little, like some FUD coming out. But they're going to have to do this sort of Dow model. They're going to have to. I mean, why would anyone put money in a bank for 0.05% when <laughs> I can go on to Axia Capital Bank at 192%? If the U- United States was, this is my, this was my play for the United States. And, I, and if they did this, I'd be really surprised only for the fact that they, I think they would crush the banks. But how cool would it be if the United States came in, if they say they want to really want to regulate the industry, saying, we're making the United States coin as a stable coin, and we're going to back. They got to come in with power because if they come in and make a United States coin, they're, who the heck wants to buy a United States coin after printing money the way they're managing the country? No one's going to want it. But if they come in with strength and say, if we make a stable coin, we will U.S. guarantee a 7% interest rate on your money if you hold US, a U.S. coin. But for you to open a U.S. coin, you have to register. And we have to know it's you. But we will guarantee you 7% interest rate. And if you pay your taxes on January 1st, because you're going to know, year's over. If you pay your taxes up front, we'll even give you, pay you interest on that money and give you a discount. That's a, that's a, that would be a great way to get people involved in uh, CBDCs, central bank digital currencies. Basically, you know, cryptos created by, created by the central banks, uh, which is a whole nother 
topic that's been discussed on mm-hmm. how they're going to begin to more more efficiently track the use of money within the system. But how cool would that be? That'd be great. It's a little strength like that. It's like we're going to back it up. You have no worry that you're not going to. You you should have no worries. You're going to get that interest. I hope you are enjoying this episode and make sure that you are doing your research when you're listening to podcasts. So obviously today's episode is about taxes and you want to what DYOR, do your own research. And there are lots of important things that you need to know when you're educating yourself uh, financially, when you're trying to get into better shape uh, with your body and your mind. And I highly recommend that you look into multiple different sources when you're trying to improve your life. Don't just follow one person or one platform's advice, including me. And when I do my research, I like to get multiple different sources, multiple different perspectives, and let things kind of all simmer and make connections in places that I didn't normally uh, think to find them. And that's what I'm doing with the research on our New Wave Entrepreneur blog. So over the years, I've produced thousands, guys, thousands of blog posts and articles and videos and podcasts and all this content. And it was over this coming year that I thought to myself, okay, I can still continue to produce free content. I've put out books and books and books worth of material that people have stopped me in the shopping mall and said, Daniel, thank you so much for writing that. It changed my life. And I said, you're so welcome. So I know this stuff is effective. I know it changes people's lives. And yet I look at all that that I've written and I said, okay, the one thing missing here is that I really don't know who my 1,000 true fans are. Kevin Kelly came up with this thesis years ago for Wired Magazine. He said that a creative entrepreneur, an artist, can fund themselves full-time, can make a full-time living out of 1,000 true fans. And I realized that over the years, I've had so many different platforms uh, and so many different places that I show up but I don't know who the 1,000 ride or die people are. And I want to know who's actually interested in, in seeing the work that I can do when I'm supporting a small, really engaged community, you know? And so that's why I'm making the, basically the premium version of my blog. And of course, I'm still going to continue to put out these podcasts for free. Still going to continue to put out this content uh, for free whenever I can. And, also, for the people who choose to come to the paid side, choose to become premium subscribers, I'm putting a ton of work into new research, into developing new programs for you, into developing groups that will help you to progress in your personal and your business lives, all just for being a member of our premium subscription to the New Wave Entrepreneur. So you can go to newwaveentrepreneur.com, check out our for the first link on that page, which is a link to our blog, and you can sign up. It's monthly or yearly. It's 29 bucks a month, man. And we're putting out some of the world's best articles on crypto on mental sovereignty, on personal sovereignty, on martial arts, on theory, on philosophy around health, uh, some really interesting topics around psychedelics, you know, that gives us the time and the audience to speak to who really cares. So check out New Wave Entrepreneur if you haven't already. Subscribe to the free or the premium if you are so inclined. And I'll see you after the show. I look at these staking projects and I think there's no way that some of these aren't a Ponzi scheme. There's no way that they can really guarantee these types of returns 
for for an extended period of time. You talking about like Wonderland and stuff? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm not talking about a specific project. I think there are some good ones out there. But just the idea, I mean, some some of these projects are are, you know, thousands of percent returns. You know, and you're just like, come on, guys, like there's no way. You don't have the liquidity for this. Well, I think that's gonna adjust, right? Yeah. I think you're gonna, gonna see to. that sway like crazy. It's gonna crazy. have to. You know, I think it's you just know? gonna the second it starts going up, it's just gonna plummet down that EP one. Yeah, it's, it's gonna, gonna, it's gonna, gonna have to. It? I don't know. Who knows? Do, do you think like like given the fact that given the fact that with staking protocols, uh your your pain on income and your pain on gains, what are, what's the threshold that you should be looking for to make that stake worth your while if you're double paying on this stuff? I, I wouldn't worry too, for me, I don't worry too much on the double the double paying. Uh because if I find ways for deductions, yeah, I'm not really paying double. I don't look at yeah, maybe on the face pay double, but not really, because yeah, when you, yeah, when you do true. look at your effective tax rate, that's a good word for people to to understand. There's your your tax rate, and then there's your effective tax rate, and that's yeah, the yeah. actual percentage of taxes you're paying. Where does someone learn to set up a node? What? Where does someone learn to set up a node? Uh, there's several different kinds. Like there's the helium nodes, the helium miners. There's a strong node. Uh, that's on like you buy to buy strong, and you go like a, they have like an their own app. So you just like go in if you type if you like Google strong node it'll come up I think mm-hmm. and then you can you can like you if you if you mine let's say strong you could swap that for like soul or something and then you could stake that yeah so strongblock.com is the app right so you have to buy ten strong and that gets you a node once you have a node you collect rewards again this could be a Ponzi scheme too you know yeah. who knows what these things are sometimes but that's why there's so many good projects that are lasting. That if I'm talking to someone who's looking to get into the industry, if you stick to the, the big projects, you're going to make money. It's yeah. time in the market, not timing the market. I love that quote. Whoever made that quote, Ooh, awesome. that's a good one. That's it's a good not one. timing the market; it's time in the market. That's a good like, one. Like coin market cap. Like, what are the top the top coins? Like top twenty coins right now. You know, like they you can't go wrong. And obviously, Bitcoin, Ethereum. Ethereum's going to have its day. I don't think it's going to it's going to stay as the number two. You know, if they if they don't do anything about these fees, I don't know if it's going to stay as as the number two. It's too expensive and too slow, but I think that it's it's still going to be a legacy coin that's not going to be knocked out of you know. Yeah. But yeah, there there are problems. Terra Luna is an interesting project. Do you know any about I've anything hearing, about Terra Luna? I've been hearing more about Terra. That my concern is that it's I believe that it's correlated to Tether, right? Is it correlated to Tether that much? Uh, I thought it was, and if so, there's some issues with Tether. But I've been seeing. Uh, Terra, Terra blow up and it, it survived the the dip pretty well. In fact, it actually grew during the dip. Yeah, because it has it has like a staking component to it. Yeah, I love the meme coins. It's just so funny. The meme coins like they, those. They, they, you know, the fucking ship coin. You know, ruined my. I had life. two billion up back in March, and I sold. I made six thousand, and I sold. I had two billion cheap. How much would have that been in in in? Uh, it's probably like about whatever. about like one hundred and fifty grand right now. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, I always play with the meme coins earlier this summer. They're just such a shit, a shit, a shit show. They're such a such a. Do you know where you you're gonna have some place? some projects like that? Do you know where you're gonna see a place in that though? Is where? it becomes a corporate privacy coin? You're gonna start seeing it become like. Why do you think Dogecoin has made it so like Doge and Shiba? There's a reason why they're up there. Why is Shiba and Doge on Coinbase? <laughs> and. Projects that are like pretty legit, you know, like legitimate, legitimate projects, projects yeah. can't get on. 
it's you're going to see there's going to be uses of it. it's going to be like a privacy corporate coin. They're going to oh, be like wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. That wouldn't surprise me at all. What are your thoughts on? I, I'm pretty bullish on uh, Soul and Avalanche. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Uh, and I'm I'm huge on. I'm surprised this hasn't. V Chain hasn't taken off. Heard about I'm surprised Chainlink hasn't taken off any of the supply chain coins. I'm really surprised uh, that they haven't. Because we're, we're not far. We're not far along the 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 path enough for things like Chainlink. I own some Chainlink. I just think it's. You know, Chainlink is, a, is an Oracle network that's going to connect things off the chain to the chain. And I think that we're just not, I think that's going to come later. I don't think mm-hmm. we're there yet. Are you, are you, uh, are you big on DOT? Oh, that, I mean, that's just a, a huge use case. You yeah, know, how these things, it, it's just a huge use case. I, I think you're going to see, you know, you're going to see a lot happen, I think, 2022 with this, because now you've had, the hedge funds are now in. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I have several hedge fund clients. Hedge funds are coming to them. This is how you know you're, you're early. It's because the hedge funds are coming to them. But how do I even do this? Like, how do I even get involved? Like, big ones, right? They don't even know. They don't even know how to even yeah. get involved. So you're starting to see a lot of hedge funds back a lot of projects, a lot. And surprisingly, for some reason, because I've had like these like lists of these projects of like what what can be invested in. Surprisingly, a lot of them are on Polygon. Now. A lot. Matic. A lot yeah. of them are. On it. A lot of work. So I still see, cheap right now. I see that having a strong 2022 just because I see a lot of projects that are really big money behind them being built on. And then you're also going to, I feel like, going to start seeing separately, like, for example, like the Axia Capital Bank. That's a separate, that's like its own thing. It's not tied to Bitcoin. It's not tied to Ethereum. It's not built off of, off of its own, off of, off another, another layer one. I feel like you're going to see more layer ones that just don't want to be affected by, by other people. Because there's just what so about much layer two stuff? I mean, there's always going to be a use case for it. There's always going to be a use case because these, there's too much. If you don't have the money and the, and, and the, the backing to go and make a whole project like a layer one, that's just like the next best, the next best case is like use, use the popularity of a Solana, use the prop, the popularity of a Cardano. That's a, that's an interesting one. I have a lot of clients. We don't say Cardano on this podcast anymore. Oh, you don't? Why? <laughs> I mean, I just, I just feel like Charles Hoskinson is the world's fucking greatest showman without producing anything. <laughs> you know, like, where yeah. are the fucking smart contracts, Charles? Where's the fucking decks you promised? You talk all this fucking shit on your lives, and yeah. even during the bull run, you guys are a limp dick. I think he's like a hippie. He's I was big on, I was big on Cardano. A lot of people are, but they have too much in circulation. They're not doing anything. What are they doing? No. I, I, but I bought into the. I really thought you bought into the hype. Yeah, but I mean, they're still there's up few, big on the year, but there's a few dexes that that I uh, I think that's going to be one where people should really look into is any of these platforms that are, have a lot of layer twos, like a Solana, you know, even even a Cardano. Maybe that maybe that might be the play, right? What dexes are actually going to actually make you let you do stuff on Cardano, right? Where are you going to see you that? Fuck around with uh, with Phantom? No, but I, a lot of my clients are into it. Heard good things about Phantom. It's still cheap right now, man. It's cheap. Right like now at, yeah. is a is a time where if you want to make short trades, I feel like if you got money sitting around, it's not a bad time to get in. No, it's not. I mean, and I, I look at some of these projects, and I look even at Solana at the beginning of the year, and you know, I look at these projects that are that clearly have the community around them, and I'm looking for the yeah. ones that are still pretty cheap, and just saying, hey, listen, it's not about the individual project or who's competing with who. It's about the fact that the entire industry is moving up. So it's like yeah. Sol doesn't have to flip. Ethereum. It's not about that. The Avalanche and Solana are not competing. The entire industry is moving up, 
And as the industry continues to evolve, more money gets put into all the projects. Absolutely. Yeah. You that's, know? that's, that's the theory, right? If that's why there's so many of these, these top projects, just put money in all of them. Yeah. It's like Reebok you know I mean? and Nike. It doesn't matter. They're just, they're two different, different worlds. What, what about, what about metaverse? I see a lot of the web three, you're big promoting, big promoter of the web three. Uh, I mean, you yeah. This metaverse. Are you going to be coaching people in the metaverse? <laughs> I hope so. Uh, I'm into a lot of the gaming stuff. So I think gaming is going to be the next, uh, one of the biggest waves in just the metaverse, just because there's, gaming is already huge. If you look at, you know, the hundreds of millions of people just playing Fortnite, mm. you know, um, gaming is such a, a staple of worldwide culture, especially outside of America, that not only the gaming tokens themselves, but the platforms that those games are built on will all rise in this this rising tide. I'm I'm not allowed to disclose the name or anything about this one client that we're working with, but they're doing gaming, some sort of like arena type of a game where you can bet on the people. Should be coming out shortly, uh, but oh, there's a lot, a lot of resources being put into that. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, it, it's it's incredible. Like. I think you're, you're going to see a whole other economy come out of this. Oh, well, because it, it's, it's some of the stuff like with new, with new platforms, it's play to watch where you're getting, or you're getting, paid, you're getting paid to watch, you're getting paid to watch ads, you're getting paid to play games, you're getting paid to be immersed in the environment, you're getting paid mm -hmm. in the tokens of that game, then you're swapping them on exchanges for other tokens and real money. You know, there's entire economies being built around Axie. You know what I feel like? I feel like it's a, it, it reminds me of, of like a cockfight. Where everyone's around there, around like the, the, the arena and like throwing money in and then watching it, and, like everyone's gonna make money somehow. People are gonna lose, people are gonna win. Oh, so yeah. I feel like this oh, is yeah. like a like a virtual cockfight. It's a virtual it's a the metaverse is actually a virtual cockfight. That's the <laughs> that's the main subhead of the metaverse, the virtual cockfight. Yeah. And and that's why I tell people it's like, you know, I, I don't have uh, favorites on the projects. I understand the whole industry is on the rise. And it's mm. similar to Okay, let me ask you a question. As we kind of, you know, we'll wrap this and close this with some with some overarching wisdom. What do you think are the similarities and the differences between Web three, which is very much of a birth, and or what, I'm sorry, Web one, which was a true birth, and Web three, which is a rebirth. Web two, I'm sorry, Web one, Web three, Web two. I see as the bridge, but they're both. These are both uh, different births. What do you see as the similarities and the differences? Good question. The similarities and the differences. Well, Web one, Web one would be considered like early internet, right? You're talking like oh, yeah. dial-up type of the Web one. We're talking about early internet days, you know, and and also the boom, specifically the boom at that time, you know, ninety-seven to two thousand one, something like that. Yeah, that's the era that we're in. That, and that, how that changed the world, right? That that changed the world back then. You were Big now like, able to connect with people, right? So now you were able to connect with people in a different way. So now you're going to be able to connect with people in another different way. Like now we're going to have a connection with someone in a way we've never really had that type of connection. With. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, doesn't that's that's irrelevant. Yeah. It will be different from the way we've communicated in the past. Now, a difference will create opportunity. Opportunity will create winners and losers. How it's going to be different, I think now, more than ever, you see a huge disparity in, in wage gap. Right, so you have a lot of big players with a lot of money who aren't going to be afraid to throw it at this. But also at the same time, there's a huge transfer of this wealth. The money at some point there's not there's going to be not as much money created and just printed, 
and there'll be what money that's being transferred. So where is the smart money going? The smart money is going in this direction. So as a young person who's looking to hustle, who's looking to make it in life, I don't think people realize, you know, people, you know, you're a little bit older than me, like we're around the same age, but like when you grew up, remember how much money stockbrokers made? Oh, I mean, that's the whole like Gordon Gecko, you know, Wolf of Wall Street, like that was the pinnacle of, you know, wealth. I think we're going to see something like that again. I hope so, because that's the direction I want to go in. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to see something like that. Like, I'm starting a, a crypto retirement services for people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, you know, yeah. they're going to start managing money for people with this. And, and there's going to be, you understand already, we're going through the biggest wealth. People don't talk about this that often, but we're going through the biggest wealth transfer that we've had in a long time with baby boomers coming into their retirement. They earned money. Our generation earned, didn't earn money. If you look at wages, now the kids coming out of school are earning serious money. Yeah. I, I graduated a CPA going to work for the, one of the largest accounting firms in the world with a CPA and I was earning $56,000 a year on a salary Oof. when I first started. I think the same person is now making like 80 grand coming out of school, 85 grand. Like they're making like 80 plus thousand dollars making, doing the same thing that I started out doing not too long ago. That being said, how much far does eighty grand go as far as it did a decade or so? Yeah, but you've seen a lot of eighty grand is not a good example because you're seeing a lot of kids coming out of school making one hundred twenty, one hundred fifty, easy. Well, what well, what do they mean when uh, what do they mean when they say wealth transfer? So, well, wealth transfer in two ways. I mean, you're going to see now people get who are retiring. That you like are you know, my father's age and, and, and anywhere in that age bracket, so like fifty to sixty five, are now going to retire. They're going to get out of their jobs. They're going to start working. Now they open up that 401k, right? Now this 401k opens up that they, they haven't touched and has millions of dollars. You know, who's going to die, right? All of a sudden, someone dies, this older person dies, and now they have 10 rental properties and, you know, $4 million in investments that are transferred down to their kids. Now, what does a 30-year-old, a 30, 35-year-old son and daughter do now with 10 rental properties and $4 million cash? Like that's a wealth transfer. <laughs> I mean, I just had it was on the phone well. the other day. Yeah, the phone the other day. That exact example. This young guy, his mother and sister passed away, and he was left. The father passed away younger. He's left with like 1.2 million in cash and like two houses. That's a wealth transfer. Like that's gonna change. He's never made this money. The guy who has like a regular job makes forty thousand dollars a year, forty five thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Now he's set for his life. He handles it right. So that's where you're starting to see now. You just start seeing money transfer. In addition, now you're seeing money just transferring along around the world with cryptocurrency. Yep. So that's a lot yep. of money being moved. And there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, wealth creation that's not leaving the system. It's just being transferred within the system. What about all the money coming from stocks to crypto? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, a whole new stock market's been created. Yeah. You know. Do, do, do you do you see the crypto market running parallel to the equities market? I think at some point the equities market is going to trade twenty four seven. I mean that's that should have happened a while ago. I think it'll be I think it'll be trading on some sort of a crypto type exchange. You're gonna see you're gonna see starting a battle now. That's gonna be a weird battle between the two. You know, Charlie Munger just put out. I wish cryptocurrencies never existed. I almost like agree with him. <laughs> that's the that's that's the most Charlie Munger thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I you almost know, it's like. It came at the end of his life and fucked everything up. Like, you know, he's gone for a hundred years. He's right at the end of the race where he's about to run through the tape and something just nukes 
His whole thing, everything he's worked for, all these games, billionaires are being created every day, and he's worked a hundred years for this. It's gotta suck. You know, it's gotta suck. I think about it. You know? Yeah. Elon Musk is over here shilling Doge and uh and, and, and Charlie Munger, you know, he's, he's Charlie you know, Elon Musk is a quarter trillionaire now, shilling Doge, and Munger is just like working on his you know, his commodities and you know. <laughs> Just what do you think of Elon? What's your take on Elon? Oh. Like him or you don't like him? Well, it's hard to say I don't like him because I own Elon because I own stock in Tesla and I have a Tesla. So on the mm-hmm. one hand, it's like I'm invested in Tesla. I think that from a personality perspective, he's very entertaining. His Twitter is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think from from an inspirational perspective, I wouldn't want to be like him. Doesn't seem like an enjoyable life to me personally. And I think I don't think that. My perspective on, on these, these mega billionaires in general is that they're not aspirational. If I had to wake up as Jeff Bezos, I would fucking hate my life. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Zuckerberg. Same thing with, you know, Tim Cook. And I think that although Musk is, um, an interesting figure and certainly the most likable of these mega billionaires, I like Branson too. He kind of stays out of the spotlight cool. to a certain extent. He's cool. He's cool. Um, my general take is that, uh, there's, there, I, I think that they could be doing more to help with the issues that are happening in society. And as, oh, as quirky as Elon is, he he still ain't doing shit. You know, true. That's definitely true. I think we need to start bringing stuff back to the United States. Yeah, it's about, it's about yeah. time we start bringing it's stuff back. Time. That's one thing I got to give to to Elon is he has a lot of his production. That's true. That's true. If anyone can bring that back, it's it's someone like him who can start saying like, "We're building this here. That's so true. We're going to make it happen here." You know, that's true. And, and they say it's too cost prohibitive, but it's like, well, it that, isn't. but that, that has come at the, at the expense of losing all of our production. And it, it probably isn't if we actually wanted to do that. What the fuck do I know though? You know, but I, I actually see it. I, I'm conflicted with these. I'm conflicted with, with Facebook in the same way too. Like I actually fucking hate <laughs> what Mark Zuckerberg has built and I need it. And it's a public utility at this point. I really think that, that Facebook and the network does at least as much harm as it does good because of the fact that I believe social media has become in some ways toxic, even though I communicate on it all the time. So it's a hypocrite. I've seen that on your, po- on you post about that a lot, you know, cause I've been following your, just your Instagram since we, since you, know, you spoke at the, at the event you know, back what, four years ago now. And you said that a lot, right? You just like social media is more of the, even though I, I communicate on it, I hate it at the same time. I hate it. And I give so and I and I give so much money to Zuckerberg. I, I I'm invested in Facebook with my personal money, and I spend money on ads. So it's mm-hmm. like it's so hypocritical. But I, I think it's a scourge on the mm-hmm. world. What do you? Think? Uh, you know, that's one of the things that I've had a good balance growing up. I grew up my family, both my families born in uh, parents were born in a small little town, same town, both of them. So growing up, I, I go there every summer. We still have a house there. I love visiting Italy. And you're coming from this countryside where everything is just local, organic, grown there. It's slow living. It's it's the mountains of Italy. It's the countryside of Italy. And then I come back to New York and it's boom, 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 fast, fast, fast. You know, everyone's working, working, never enjoy. That, there needs to be some sort of a balance. And who knows where we're going now? This has been such a crazy, a crazy few years in the United States. But I'll say one thing that I think, you know, what we always have here. And unfortunately, I think it's going to come at the expense of something dramatic. But I feel like Americans will come together in tragedy. 
We've seen it time and time again. September 11th, a great example. I think if we have some sort of tragic moment here, we will start to see some unity. And until that day, I think it's opinions, opinions, opinions. And, and talk about social media. I think all that is, it's a huge component of why we're, we're at right now. I, they're, they're talking about Russia being in charge of like so many of these, these, uh, these Facebook groups that post like all this political stuff that oh, stirs yeah. Oh, up. Oh, yeah. That's been proven. Like how, we've traced how that. Is that. We're literally just a product of what all these people are posting and just it's stirring up. Warfare. Yeah. And I, I actually think it's so smart on behalf of Russia and China because they can bring us down from the inside by creating infighting without having to fire a single shot. And I actually think it's genius. Yeah. You know? China's scary. China's scary. China's and, very scary. You know, I uh, didn't vote for Trump in the in the in the, in the election. Uh, I didn't even vote for Obama in his second run. I'm completely disillusioned. But I mm. and I didn't vote for Biden either. So I've missed three elections at this point. But I can say that one, all three of their policies, they might be different on the face value, but I don't see much different in the implementation outside of. I mean, we were already printing money like crazy. It's not like Biden came in and. You know, he's the worst ever compared to everyone else. Like, we're already doing this stuff. We're already going in that direction. We're already in debt. Already super in debt. But I will also say that um, I understand now. I didn't quite understand then really fully why Trump was whole hard against China. So that's such a hard nose. And now I'm like, oh, oh, now I'm really starting to understand why he was wanting to impose these tariffs, why he wanted to basically, you know, um, move our manufacturing out of there. Like, I, I do understand that now. And it doesn't mean that I agree with his policies mm-hmm. In totality, but I understand that, and I think that. But I think that at that point we were already so far behind the eight ball. They already, yeah. they already have us. It's not something that four years is going to fix. I mean, if we're talking about politics here, <laughs> <laughs> we are. I, I never really, uh, likewise to you, I, I never was huge on either side. Uh, I had, I did have a. I always liked Trump as a younger Trump. I think he was like a rock star. So I read his book. Like, you know, he had a couple some good books. I thought that. Or the art of the deal, whether it's fake or, or real, isn't it's irrelevant. I thought it was an entertaining read. Great, as a young guy learning about real estate, I think it was cool to see how deal how the deals went about and how something like that progresses. How you can work around, you know, like the ice skating rink in Bryant Park was a Bryant. No, it was a Bryant Park he did. Well, one of the ice skating rinks he he redid. He worked with the city. You know, I never. It was cool to see that as a young guy. Uh, so when he came into office, I used this term, and I, I wish it it got used more but it's just just be trump positive don't be so negative be trump positive <laughs> and it didn't really last that long but but being didn't catch trump did positive, it. it didn't catch <laughs> it definitely didn't catch <laughs> i just don't see how though like going fast forward to today how you can agree with some of this especially like in new york i would love love to have mayor de blasio I would love to have Mayor de Blasio be like such a great guy for you know, the where I can support. He comes, his grandparents come from the town next to my middle. But how it hurts me that I can't be proud of that. Yeah. You know, it's just, New York's a tough place. I know it's hard to, to run because you have so many moving parts and it, it's got to be like almost an impossible task. Dude, to, your to, idols you know. are, met, are melting. Giuliani is literally melting. It's horrible. What the it's fuck horrible. happened to that guy? That's why I'm going to Florida. He, I mean, he turned into an orange monster. What the fuck <laughs> happened to Rudy Giuliani? Now they're allowing, now they're allow, allowing heroin addicts to just go into a, a safe place to do drugs. Oh, that's San Francisco already, buddy. <laughs> I just don't get it. I just, I just want to see good business. That's all I want to see. I don't want to see waste. 
I'm done seeing waste. I feel like that's where we have a lot of in New York is just waste. It needs yeah. to be tighter. There's no, there's nothing that's tight here. Everything is just, we we're running, we're running the country like we're running New York. Well, let's not get to San Francisco levels of running the country. Have you been over there recently? I went to San Francisco. You want, I don't mean to get vulgar here, but the first time I went to San Francisco, I really enjoyed it. I spent like four months working there and I was working for the, the, the consulting firm. First night I get there, I was told to go to the Mission District. There's a lot of restaurants there. So I get a, mm-hmm. I get a, a, a hotel. But it's so block by block there. I get out of the hotel. I'm like, oh, let's get something to eat. I walk out. These homeless guys came with a bag. They whip out the bag with dildos and other products. They're like, <laughs> throw them in my face. Like, you want to buy some? And like, <laughs> like so greeted in San Francisco. Then I walk down the street. There's just, it just was a zoo. Well, there'll be very expensive dildos there. I mean, they would have been four times the price of, you know, one state up. A bag full of dildos. He just opens up the whole bag and it's just some homeless guy. That was my greeting into San Francisco. <laughs> That's, that is, that, San Francisco is a bag of dildos. It's a giant bag of dildos. There is a bag of dildos, yeah. Uh, I had a good, oh, I actually was in San Francisco when Trump won. That was, it was, oh my God. Oh God, that must have been. It was mayhem. It was mayhem. Fury. So, yeah. So the next day, the next day, I see this lady holding her dog and running across the street, right? She picks up the dog and it's like a football and running across the street. It was the target dog. You know what I mean? The eye. <laughs> and I go, oh, poor guy. He's scared of crossing the street. No, no, no. You know, ever since Trump won, you know, it's been a little bit weird here. I don't know. He, he, said, he doesn't know. He's, he's, a little, he's a little scared. <sighs> he's holding him like a football running across the street. <sighs> I lived in Santa Monica when Trump got elected, and I physically saw people crying, crying. Hillary, Hillary moms, mm-hmm. which, by the way, Hillary was no fucking better. She is not a nice person, okay? Yeah. As not someone that I would have wanted to be president. Uh, you don't get to – saying that you're the first woman president doesn't mean anything if you're not a good person, okay? Like, that's yeah. beside the point. Um, but people were so upset at the specter of Trump. And really, when you look at it, though, you, you know, if you just go Bush, Obama, Trump, Biden, mm-hmm. these are like, they have radically different, we're done, we'll, we'll wrap this, we'll wrap this, but they go, they go radically different with the rhetoric, but the implementation is not that much different. Yeah. Still I, I, bombing, I like Obama. Still, I like, being I like Obama, Obama I liked Obama. He was, he, I thought he brought a lot of, a lot of like togetherness to the country. He did. But the policies weren't that much different. If yeah. you look at how he was handling uh, international policy, if you look at how he was handling, I mean, the fiscal policy, mm-hmm. anything that happened in the Trump era that was bad, well, a couple of years before, Obama was handling those controls. So it's like, well, it doesn't all happen overnight, bud. You know, um, and uh, and I, I, I met Obama. We, uh, uh, one of my friends worked for the White House at the time. And mm-hmm. when he flew in on Air Force One, uh, we met him. At the tarmac at an Air Force base, uh, right in Georgia. And, uh, and then we rode with him in, uh, they call it the Beast, which is this big, uh, SUV. And they got two of them. And he has, he has a, a doppelganger, like a, like a body double clone. Really? And so, so yeah, so we rode, so we rode with him in the Beast, which I don't know why I was cleared. I don't know why I got to do this. I'm not really sure. To, I'm not clear why they allowed me to do this. Uh, but, but they had like a secret, secret service, uh, security check I had to do. Um, which I'm sure if I had that, this podcast at that time, I wouldn't have been allowed to do this. But, um, so we, we, we rolled with them. And what was so cool about that experience was they shut down all the highways. They shut down all the roads 
and uh, we rode the opposite direction on the freeway because that was actually the fastest uh, route to the event location. So they, they changed the road rules when the president is driving. Overhead on all the overpasses, they had just snipers just watching the cars as they go by as we were followed with a helicopter. And when we got to the hotel uh, where he was giving a talk, this was for Veterans Day, they took off the revolving doors of the hotel to drive the car inside of the lobby so he wouldn't have to get out. All to protect him. <laughs> Which I thought was crazy. Uh, and then we played basketball for a little bit afterwards and he left. Huh? You were in the car the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure why I was allowed to do that. I'm, I, I, I don't know why. What did you just talk about? It was just, uh, it was just a, 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 a friend. You know, he worked at, he worked there. He called me one day. He's like, Hey, do you want to meet Obama? I said, sure. And he, he, I don't know why. I don't know why that was, why I was given that opportunity. But yeah, it was weird. It was cool. He was a great guy. Good cool story. Yeah. But the policies were exactly the same as what I'm saying. You know, and, it, <laughs> you know, everyone, everyone shits on Bush, praises Obama, mm. shits on Trump, thought Biden was going to be a solution, but like, over the whole time, the value of the dollar has been slowly decreasing. We've still been involved in the same wars. We, yeah. you know, it's like it's all it's all Things part of change. And that's why you're part of the book, the Ray Dalio book. I know you have it there. You're, you're looking at it, but it's it's crazy. But we really do need to change something up if we want to change the trajectory of this country. You know, oh yeah, we're gonna go through. I, just, I think we're inevitably, you know, as I, as I've been reading this book, he keeps talking about six cycles that all countries go through in order to like. You know, they go from uh, new, you know, newfound glory all the way through the Civil War. And he says that we're in uh, uh, stage five of a six stage cycle. And according to his calculation, there's a one third chance that it's going to result in a hot or a cold Civil War. And I keep reading through the book and I say, OK, now you say you say we're on stage five, but can we go back to four? Do we have to go through six? And I'm like looking through the book and he hasn't said that we can go back yet. Mm. So I'm <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that. I'm like, he has all these like complicated I, I think he's I'm a like, Chinese spy. I was watching him on, on he might be. and he was like totally talking up China and I could see him being like working with the government. He he might. I mean, then again, I mean, you're at that level of a person who knows what they do. Oh, I mean, he he makes no secret of that in the book. He's like, I've been working with China for many years. Yeah. No. And yeah, he he does talk him up a lot. Um, there's all these complicated graphs. So I'm like, just get to the fucking point where I should get a bomb shelter or not. Like, you know, what's the so that so that that encapsulates our thoughts on everything that's going on here. Where can people contact you? Where can they where can they sip from the fountain of your knowledge? Yeah, so so Lorenzo CPA on all platforms. So at Lorenzo CPA, uh, LorenzoTax.com is my website, and I offer uh, you know if you know for I actually, we can even put like a link of some sorts. I could offer a free 15 minute consultation to anyone who, who's here who wants to just talk, you know, about their situation and see how we can help. You know, just to kind of, you know, recap on it all, work with, with all types of, I deal more individuals and Parn deals more on the corporate end. He does a lot of like, if you have a, if you have a, some serious project going on, you need to talk to Josh. Like, yep. creme a la creme in the industry has done it all. Billionaire clients like A to Z has done it. Uh, I deal a lot with more on the individual side. I love working with people. I'm in the people business. And, you know, we've been helping. I can't, like, it's just been insane. The amount of people we've been helping out on a daily basis to save money in crypto. There's a lot. Whatever walk of life that you're in, we can help you and have a solution for you. So you're making $100 million. So I actually picked up my first $500 million clients this week. Woo. Hot. Crazy. It's getting hot in here. 
And then, but uh, there's, there's no, honestly, for me, I treat him the same as if I got someone who I spoke to today who had a $9,000 portfolio and worked at a grocery store. You got the same, you know, same conversation, same level of service. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, we're going to put all these notes in the show notes so people can go. Uh, this will be on newwaveentrepreneur.com. All those will be listed there. It will also be listed on Spotify, on iTunes, so you'll have a chance to check out uh, what Lorenzo's doing on all of his uh, platforms. Uh, get in contact with him. You, you know, obviously, whenever we talk about this is not financial advice, you actually want to get real financial advice from someone who knows what they're talking about. This podcast is just a taste uh, to his knowledge and his skill set based on years of experience. So I highly encourage you to take advantage of it. Um, Thank you, my man. It's been an honor, an honor and a pleasure. Yeah, I like how love how it came full circle. Starting from yeah. 2017, now fast forward to now. Now we're all making cool. money in crypto. Let's go. I love it. I love it. <laughs>